Joe, 11.05 a.m., February 13th, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need. Fun show, reasonably paced. I'm Wheels, and this is Joe. How are you, Joe? I'm doing all right. You know, we're back. We're settled in now to the part of the season where David Lynch isn't directing anymore. You fucked off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember, because I, fr- I remember season one, I think it was he went off to finish... The Nick Cage movie that I can never, Wild of Heart, I can never remember the title. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I don't know what he does this time, (laughs) but he's not directing every episode. He directs the the best ones, but, and he'll be back in the middle of the season, which we've talked about, and then at the end, yeah. But uh, not not every episode is his, although this one does feel very much in the style of, that, that he sort of establishes visually and also, I think, tonally. I was surprised at some scenes. I agree. I mean, much less supernatural, much less, you it know, feel, there aren't like standout moments like in the last episode where Bob is climbing over the furniture. Nothing like really harrowing like that. But yeah, yeah. I think the soap opera stuff in this is is nailed down. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. It rules. Introduces some uh, some of the better plot lines of the season, both the mm-hmm. the, the botanist and uh, Dick. Also, what happens to Nadine? Dick and the Orchid. <laughs> Dick and the Orchid and Nadine. This is the three plot God. threads that I... Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Unironically love. Let's jump right in. The first scene we get is a scene with Ronette Pulaski, uh, the woman who's been in a coma basically the whole time and slowly waking up. Every episode seems to be the cliffhangers that Ronette Mm -hmm. is waking up. Um, She's, what would you call it? She's like thrashing. She's having some sort of, she's not having a great time. And it turns out uh, as Truman, Cooper, and uh, Rosenfeld, Albert, when they all get here, Albert notices, like, oh, the IV drip that she's on has been altered. It's been fucked with. Uh, So that's why she is um, having these convulsions is because someone is, like, trying to poison her, essentially. Um, They're able to... the, the, The hospital is able to get things under control, but Cooper notices that... I guess, does he find it under her fingernail yeah like yeah like he just he checks. always finds he, the letters he goes straight there and uh yeah albert notes that the 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 iv drip has been like dyed like it's blue uh and then yeah, yeah they it could, took me a second to realize that it was just something that happened in between episodes off screen because yeah it ends with ronette and then picks up again with her but yeah in between the episodes someone was here and messed with her um so cooper finds another little letter b under ronette's fingernails he previously didn't find anything under her fingernails when he first looked but yep. he was expecting it because laura palmer and boy the other woman's name is teresa banks yep uh teresa banks and laura palmer both of whom cooper thinks were murdered by the same person they both had these uh letters under their fingernails r and t for Laura and uh, Teresa, respectively. Uh, and now he's finding a little bee under Ronette's fingernails after this IV incident. Mm-hmm. Do you... If you... I didn't even mean to do it in the same cadence. Is Do you think this is the killer? It's This is a weird thing, to, because it like gets them a clue that gets them where they need to be going, but... This strikes me as odd. It strikes me it as almost odd. like is Wyndham is Wyndham Earl, who we won't see till the end of the <laughs> season. Is he like behind the scenes just fucking up the investigation? Because I don't necessarily see why the killer would do this. I don't know either, because I it seemed to me that the reason she didn't have a letter under her fingernails because she got away alive. 
as opposed to right. the other two. Yeah. And Ronette was not And also she wasn't necessarily the like the target of the attack. It was Laura. She was also there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it does give them another letter, though. And I don't know why anyone else would do it, even. I mean, I don't remember much about the Wyndham Roll sub, sub slash main plot eventually. He's just kind of Joker-fied. We'll he, get there. Well, but. yeah. Sometimes you got to be the Joker. It's Also, I was thinking, watching this, it's very interesting how society, we live in a society. I, I was very interested how culture and comedy have changed enough that I do think out of context, a woman screaming with just the letter B superimposed over her mouth oh, yeah, is, I thought that was super is very funny. funny. Yeah, it was like the Lord Farquaad Markiplier <laughs> E yeah. meme to me. Because she, yeah, it, it, she is screaming and then like, uh, it's like a crossfade where we see the letter B, but it's it's oddly placed such that the when the crossfade is at the middle where you're seeing both shots, the B is like superimposed right over her mouth. Mm-hmm. It is very funny. I laugh too. Yeah. I don't know if I laugh, but I definitely thought, oh, that's something that you could post out of context on Twitter and get oh, like yeah, a that, lot. That's a meme, right? <laughs> that that is a that is a finished meme. Yeah. Unintentionally. The best kind. We get a conversation between Cooper, Albert, and Truman. Uh Cooper tells them. I was visited by a giant. He told me three things. He told me, uh, well, he says, the, he left me three clues. The first had to do with Jacques Renault in a body bag. It came true almost immediately. The second was the owls are not what they seem. The third was about a man who points without chemicals. Truman says, you are visited by a giant. And Albert says, in a way that's like, he wouldn't use this term as offensive, but I think the divorce from the term, it's still a funny joke where he... Be, Cooper says you are visited by a giant, and Albert says any relation to the dwarf because Albert doesn't believe in any of this shit. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that scene. Yeah, I guess it is. But we'll get back to it later. Specifically, we'll get back to Cooper remembering without chemicals he points because yes, that that's the only piece of the prophecy through. essentially that hasn't come true because he already heard owls are not what they seem from uh, Major Riggs. Yep. Uh, so now we get to go back to Donna and the teen plot. Which we all love the teen, teen plot. plot. Is they're kind of fractured right now. The, That's the true. Teen, this kind of I think this kind of way we haven't been doing the jingle is like yeah. they're not really related. The the teen plots are no longer really related to each other. They're kind of they're on the outs. A lot of these teens, they're all but, yeah, rogue but, teen plots now. <laughs> That's right. Donna is continuing to investigate by doing Laura's Meals on Wheels program. And if you recall, there was a recluse who pretended not to be there when she delivered a meal but left a note for her when he was really there um, yeah he's just watching uh, her out the window yeah um, the, but the, anyway the he's just, he's, said that laura knew him that's, and that's right. why she's interested and he lives next door donna goes back here and kind of as a surprise to the audience what we assume a meals on wheels recipient would be like a an older either older disabled person or uh just an older shut-in but it's actually uh a quite young man uh this harold smith Mm -hmm. um probably about the same age as as donna and laura maybe a little bit older i was thinking they're technically still in high school although you i don't know if we ever see them in school again because i think the show just kind of abandons the fact that they're high schoolers because they're all 18 you get it because with the nadine plot Oh, true. Yes. Well, yeah, this thing is shit goes down. She ends up interacting with, I think, Mike more than anyone, though. Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But but anyways, yeah. Has he even been in this season at all, Mike? No, no, he has not shown up yet. And also, several references to Pete, but not him not on screen either. These past two episodes. 
But yeah, this Harold Smith guy, he reveals himself to be a, a shut-in botanist, horticulturalist. When he answers the door, he's saying, you're wearing a different sweater than ye- yesterday, colors better on you. Very Which funny. I felt really validated when he said that, because I went on the whole diary about how the colors didn't work for Tana yeah. last episode. Very so funny. So I was like, Harold, sweetie, let's get yeah. to know each maybe, other. Maybe someone, maybe, yeah, maybe someone at the costume department passed along a note where I was like, make him insult her clothes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's some Ricky Montgomery looking motherfucker he's probably similar aged actor as donna and all these other quote-unquote teens uh he's a twink for the listener yeah he is a very nervous man but he seems to know it it, we kind of get the idea from the conversation that like he's very polite to donna but donna's still off put by him because she doesn't understand why he seems to know so much about her and about laura and i guess it's just that every time laura came here she would like tell him everything. We'll mm-hmm. later find out kind of another reason for that in this episode. The but cliffhanger there's of the kind episode. of that weird tension between the two of them where Donna has no reason. It's almost similar to the scene with the Tremens before, although they certainly give her a reason to be creeped out, perhaps more than Harold does in this first episode. But but she's kind of creeped out because she doesn't really know how what what's going on. The music is kind of tense, too. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of music in this scene. Yeah, uh, he also leads the conversation more than I think maybe she expected, or I yeah, because he just starts kind of he's like, oh yeah, you'd have a lot of questions. I was t- he says that Laura wanted him to reach out to her if anything happened to her, and I mean I guess it's been at least a week since she died and it didn't happen. Although he doesn't go out, so it just I guess fell into his lap, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, he yeah, he um he doesn't say the specific word but he's like agoraphobic he says i don't like to go outside i I like i like this line he says i don't like to go outside i uh can't do you have a judgment you'd like to express (laughs) um which i think is just an excellent line Mm -hmm. and she says no she's like that's what you know whatever he eventually is like uh tells her that he wants to have one of the orchids he raised be put on laura's grave which yep uh, leads to another great scene in this episode Eventually. Uh, and hands her a lady's slipper. Uh, and she will, yeah, as you mentioned, take that into another scene. Uh, I think that's about it for this first Herald scene. So we cut back to Cooper, Truman, Albert, as mm-hmm. they're discussing RBT, the three letters that have been under the fingernails of the three victims. Rock and ball torture. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Rognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So Cooper is connecting Scooby Doo voice. <laughs> uh, Cooper is connecting these three letters and the fact that he, uh, in his dream, Sarah Palmer and one of her visions, uh, Maddie, whatever the fuck her name is, Ferguson, mm-hmm. Laura's cousin, she saw him in kind of that that scene we talked about earlier with Bob crawling over the furniture, and by him I mean Bob, and also. Who is the fourth person? Oh, Ronette has also reacted strongly to Bob. And so Saw Cooper's him trying to in figure out like the flesh, more or less. Or so they think. And Cooper is trying to figure out like, how do we all know this person? Like, why have we all seen him in different uh <laughs> you know, different realities, essentially, different mm-hmm. layers of reality? He's trying to piece that together. What, what do the letters mean? And I don't maybe it's maybe it's because we live in a post-wordle society. I don't want to be mean to Cooper, <laughs> but I don't know how he didn't immediately think, oh, what does RBT and Bob have in common? It's Robert! <laughs> what what? <laughs> yeah, if only Cooper played Wordle, you're absolutely <laughs> right. 
Actually, Cooper's Wordle score, like, if it were to be in character, Cooper would just have an incredible Wordle score. Like, he would get it every second guess. Probably, yeah. Um, But it would take him all day. Alfred is sitting there, comically slacked back in a chair. Across the room. Why are we talking? We're still talking about your visions and the giants. Uh, yeah, Cooper says, uh, if you want to just take up the conversation here, because I, I like where the scene goes in a lot of ways. I'll start with Cooper saying, this path is a psychic link that will lead us straight to him. Alfred says, so what did this giant sound like? Hmm? I mean, did he have a big booming voice or what? No, no, he spoke softly, distinctly. And you gave him the beans you were supposed to use to buy a cow. <laughs> my feelings exactly, Alfred, no. <laughs> Uh, Cooper says, no, Albert, I gave him my ring. So, so <laughs> sincerely, not even. He gives a big, like, grin on his face when he says it. And Albert's like, Albert's like, I gotta get the fuck out of this town. <laughs> Which is um, basically, basically what he, what he says. says. Is like, yeah. Okay, confining my conclusion to the planet Earth, the cocaine you found in James Hurley's tanks was a match to what we found in Jacques' car and Leo's house. Get the picture? Uh, Sheriff says he even got the frame. <laughs> Handiwork of Leo Johnson currently appearing at Calhoun Memorial Hospital as Mr. Potato Head. The boots are a Circle brand wa- rare work boot. Ones we found haven't been worn or tampered with. The letter B from Ronette's finger was cut from a copy of Flesh World. It's a perfect match. Particular edition. And he pulls out a copy. <laughs> slides it across the table. This particular edition features a swingers club for standard poodle enthusiasts. No comment. <laughs> it's so amazing because, like, you know what? That's it's such a good pull because it's like it's still odd. It's still an odd sexual thing to note with modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Why is there a swingers club club for standard poodle enthusiasts? Spe- we're, we're getting too I guess specific. It, I guess it's furries. Yeah, we're getting we're getting too specific on uh, subcultures. I mean, we already did the other week when the dude was like, "Ooh, put the ice cubes on my toesies mm-hmm. and leave the vacuum yeah, on but, during but, sex." But what's wild is that it really was ahead. Like, I guess not ahead of its time because it existed then, but like, still true. <laughs> I know it's just uh you know Davy and the team really got some uh, mm-hmm. great insight into the kink community I yeah. guess. Albert continues we sent a portrait of your long-haired man to every agency from NASA to DEA and came up empty. This cat's in nobody's database. And then Cooper says a man that four of us have seen here in Twin Peaks. Uh, sure. <laughs> oh by the way you were shot with a Walther PPK. It's James Bond's gun. You know that? <laughs> I love that it's like Alfred's like finally something I can be excited about. You want to talk about James Bond? You're looking better today, Coop. Miguel Ferrer would have made a good Bond villain. He just has that. <laughs> I would have, like, he would have done those monologues True. a lot of justice. Uh, let's see. And then he goes on to say that uh, Cooper's feel- looking better and he's feeling better because uh, he's not struggling every time he bends over now. Uh, and then Albert continues, the trail of the man who shot you is ice cold, but I hoovered some fibers from the corridor outside your room. My ticket out of Trolleyville. I'll be at the lab, gentlemen. So that's essentially like, hey, you won't see Albert for a while because he's taking the... These fibers with him to get analyzed. As he's leaving, Truman says, anything we should be working on? Uh, And Albert says, yeah, you might practice walking without dragging your knuckles on the floor. (laughs) And then Sheriff Truman grabs him by the collar and pulls his face in real close and says, Albert, let's talk about knuckles. Now, the last time I knocked you down, I felt bad about it. The next time's going to be a real pleasure. Albert sort of grabs him back and says, you listen to me. Pulls him even closer. My boyfriend's like, are they going to kiss? And I was like, maybe. I literally like. (laughs) You do think they're going to at one point. Because what he says is, you listen to me. While I will admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and a hatchet man in a fight against violence. I pride myself in taking 
taking a punch and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. And then he leaves. Twin Peaks made up such a dude with Albert Rosenfeld. Like, he's I love so mean. And the, the instant you're like, dude, you're mean. He's like, fuck you. I'm a civil rights advocate. <laughs> what? I'm, the I'm a civil rights advocate and I love you, man. I, I, I relate deeply to this. I, he's the meanest pacifist <laughs> imaginable. And it's like, yeah, same. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he says, I love you, Sheriff Truman. Yeah, uh, and walks out. Uh, I, I, I honestly, like, I was like, do they kiss in this scene? That doesn't, like, it, like it's not out of the realm of all, imagination. All but. Yeah. And Cooper says, Albert's path, as after Albert has left, he says, Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. Uh, and it's true. Uh, and the scene ends. Yeah. And then they, uh, continue in the Sheriff's Department, go and talk to James, and is like, we're not gonna charge you because we know the cocaine was planted, but also, like, Stop fucking around with the team Stop plot. Stop getting your nose and shit. Least of all cocaine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they basically send him away and then... Cooper goes up to Lucy and he says, How's it going, Lucy? And she says, 75 words! Wait a minute! 76! And you're like, what? <laughs> uh, but you get the explanation soon. She keeps like counting up and Cooper goes, Good work, Lucy! And leaves. Uh, uh, I think it's Hawk who comes up and asks it what is she's Hawk, doing. Yeah. And she says, Agent Cooper asked me to find as many words as I could that contain the letters B, T, and R. Uh, he says, let me see. I used to be pretty good at this. And he is. I actually really love this sort, the way the strings of the scene together. Like, Hawk only says, like, three things, but they're all words he thought of that contain the letters. They're both the letters. responses to the jackass that's about to walk into the mm -hmm. room, but also they all have R, B, and T in them, so he has plausible deniability <laughs> that he's not absolutely reading this dude to the ground. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, it's great, but yeah, we enter a, a new, a new character enters the final challenger approaching dick tremaine the as uh, hold on let me read the 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 wiki the foppish dick tremaine enters yeah this is a wheels interstitial character if i've ever seen uh -huh. one. i the, there's a picture of him like next he walks in looks at like his reflection in the glass and the sign says no smoking and then he turns around and gives this giant smile towards like lucy and i've had that screenshot of him with the smile in front of the no smoking sign <laughs> ingrained into my brain because every time i see it it's like that's me before i ask if i can vape in a location <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyways yes dick tremaine enters and um yeah he's a, a fun sort of subplot he's taking uh, Lucy to lunch, but first he comes in and has a bit of a conversation that, yeah, as we said, Hawk is dragging him for filtering. Uh, he says, uh, hi Lucy, there you are. She says, hello, dick. Lucy, I've always considered you to be, uh, Lucy, I've always considered you to be a woman of letters. She's got so like a scrabble board in front of him. Uh, he's like uh -huh. about to light up a cigarette in like a extra filter holder thing that he has, and Hawk says prohibited and then breaks it. <laughs> which of course has R, B, and T in it. I say, I don't believe we've met R Richard Tremaine, Horn's department store, designer menswear. And Hawk replies, robot. <laughs> and then I think, I, I think this is when he walks away. I think he just says those two. It, it is, yeah. Did I do something to anger him? Not that, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> this guy is so like, you know what? This line speaks for itself. Did I do something to anger him? Not that native people don't have enough reason to be angry per se. <laughs> 
I think it's a good line Jesus. for the characters. I I agree. He's a bad man. Uh-huh. He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Let's go to lunch, Capital. But yeah, so we'll we'll see their lunch date a little bit later. We're staying in the sheriff's department for now because well, it starts with uh, I think it's Hawk and uh, Harry asking about the giant. How tall was the the giant that his head hit the ceiling? And Cooper says almost. And then Hawk goes on to say, I believe that the ceilings in the Great Northern are at least 10 feet tall. <laughs> so it's tall dude. Yeah, let's see what happens. Oh, yeah, this is where Leland interrupts them. And if we remember from last episode, Leland saw the picture of Bob and said, I, I've seen him when I was a boy at I the know. summer house. Uh, and he, ba- he says the same thing. He says, when I was yep. a little boy, my grandfather had a summer house up on Pearl Lakes. We used to go there every year. Uh, he says, I knew him from there. Now, I know he wasn't a Ch- Chelbert. They were our neighbors that lived on one side. On the other side, there was a vacant lot. Next to that was a white house. That's where he lived. Cooper asks if he remembers a name. No, I think, I think it was Robertson. Robertson. Cooper says, Robertson. Robert. R-T-B. That's what the letters are trying to spell. Yeah, dipshit. <laughs> Bob. Uh, so they send Hawk uh, to go investigate that house. They thank Leland and... He, uh, he remembers one other thing. Oh, something else. He used to flick matches at me. He'd say, you want to play with fire, little boy? And then he mimics flicking a match, but he flicks it into Which, an ashtray. With stellar, like, like, aim. Incredible. But, like, that goes wrong. You could have burned a good amount of rug yeah, before someone could lean over and pick it up. Like, nobody stops them. Man, it was wild when people could just smoke inside. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, prohibited. Uh, I, I don't True. remember... Um, no, Cooper has heard this because James repeated that phrase to him. Uh, That's true. Regarding yeah, that Laura's Laura memory. said that to him. Yeah. Yep. So I was trying to remember because I know, I know that we, the, the viewer, are well aware, but I had to remember where it came from and who it was told to. Uh, but yeah, regardless, Cooper does say, that's our man. And that's, uh, that's the end of that scene. And now we get to go see that lunch date. Boy, Dick Tremaine is not a great date, does all the talking himself. He says, of course, most of the time I keep my department running like a top, but Christmas, well, that was such a madhouse, was absolutely no time for paperwork. I simply had to develop a system to memorize customer orders using mnemonic devices. For instance, someone looking for Argyle socks? Well, that could file under A for Argyle, subheading S for socks. Now, it does get tricky. A request for a vulcanized Macintosh, for instance. Now, does that file under R for rain gear or W for waterproof? My familiarity with the inventory finds me leaning towards an R. Yeah, that is just your Edgeworth (laughs) voice is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Lucy, may I ask you something? Do you find it odd that I don't switch my fork when I eat? That I lift it to my mouth with my left hand? Uh, Lucy's first line in this scene is just sort of quietly, my mother calls it piling. Actually, it's not odd at all. It's the European way. And he has like a definite like transatlantic accent where it's like, is he even British? It's What's the this European guy's way. deal? Yeah. It's just vaguely he has a deal. He's too fancy. Mm-hmm. But she says, it's been six weeks, Dick. You said you were going to call. I know. I lost your phone number. I work for the sheriff. You could have dialed 911. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, I do apologize. I've been so terribly busy, honestly. Uh, I've hardly had time to feed my cat. <laughs> oh, we went out every Thursday night for three months. You made promises to me. You said you were going to take me to dinner at the Space Needle in Seattle. 
even though you took me to family night at the pancake plantation. <laughs> I, <laughs> Is that just Golden Corral? Uh, I guess it's pan, I guess it's IHOP. Yeah. I still couldn't help think that it was something special when, in fact, the only thing special we did that night was drink two bottles of champagne and end up on a display bed at Horn's Home Furnishing. Every now and then she'll get louder and you'll just see everyone sort of turn and look at the scene happening. Yeah, you got some rubberneckers in the diner. Yeah. I admit it was daring. That made it exciting. Still, I thought it would lead to more, like a phone call. Or at least eating me out. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, I feel terrible you're upset. Really, I do. Let me make it up to you. Like how, for instance? For starters, I know I promised you a new dress. At my 20% employee discount. After lunch, I'll go right back and arrange something with Miss, Miss Bulbo. With, <laughs> with Bulbo Baggins in women's wear. Very special indeed. It does make it sound like he's going to, like, she still has to pay for it. It's just with the discount. Yep. <laughs> Which it's, it's glossed over quick enough that it's, it's hard to say. very telling of this yeah. man that he's probably rich, but also cheap. Sometimes that's how rich people stay rich. Uh-huh. Uh, she says, oh, yeah? How about a maternity dress? Pardon? I'm pregnant, Richard. Pregnant. He puts a cigarette to his mouth and says, preggers. <laughs> <laughs> he says preg... Audience. <laughs> Audience. Listener, if you don't watch the show, he says preggers. He does. That's the, that's the first thing he said that has not seemed so uh, rehearsed. Composed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, end of scene, though. Yes. Not end of... In, yeah, we slide across the room. Drink somebody else's milkshake. James and Maddie are here. Yep. James starts with, does Donna seem different to you? And she says, what do you mean? She's like horny now. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what he says. He says, well, like, doesn't her smoking and stuff bother you? She's trying to act like all tough all of a sudden. And Maddie says, James, you know her better than I do. Yeah, inside or out. <laughs> no. She came to visit when I was in jail, and I don't know. Maddie says what? <laughs> Neku says what? <laughs> uh, I guess it's more apt would be, uh, wow, why can't I remember the main character of Neo Tui? Rindo. R- Rindo. I was just playing AI the Somnium Files, which is a visual novel, and there's a character in that called Renju, and I'm like, that mm. is not, he's not called Renju. Anyway, Ren- uh, Rindo says what? No, he says, well... She acted like she wanted. I love how he says this. She acted like she wanted to do it with me through the bars. She didn't even care if anybody was around. I don't know. It was weird. It wasn't like her. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> Sometimes I think I should just get on my bike and go because I don't know how to process anything. I'm a man. Yeah, James. James Hurley. James Harley Davidson. Yeah. She says, James, running away won't solve anything. It's gonna be okay. And she, like, reaches over to sort of comfort him by grabbing his hand. Donna walks in. They don't notice it until she's right up to the table. And they say, Donna, where have you been? You're late. She's very clearly visually upset seeing them hold hands like this, especially after the the last scene in the last episode of uh, his eye contact switching mid-song. God forbid. Yeah. I met someone for Meals on Wheels. Those old folks must have some pretty cool stories. This was a young man. Really? What's wrong with it? <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. Other than he was bright and charming, intelligent, completely unlike anybody I know. What's that supposed to mean? Why don't you sit here and hold hands and try and figure it out? And she runs off. Got Damn. Wrecked. Yeah. Uh, end of the scene, though. And end of location. 
Uh, we get a scene in uh, Hornyville up at One-Eyed Jack's. Mm-hmm. The, the sad Audrey plot checking. Yeah, Audrey is tied to a chair with like a cloth gag in her mouth being filmed, I guess, as like a ransom video. Yeah. We don't really see what they do. They mention it again, but we don't see like There's what their plan setup is stuff, with it. But yeah, it's, it's just kind of like bits and pieces. So that's being recorded in the background as... Black Rose and Emery are, you know, discussing next steps. And Emery's like, oh, oh gee, we're fucked, oh, man. She's dead. Black Rose is like, shut the fuck up. Uh, she, I, I learned a new vocab word. Where is it? And she says, now listen, you spineless gas bag. You, you are up in this to your shiny pate. I, I looked it up and I guess pate means like the top of your head. And Emery's oh, bald. Funny. So that's what she's saying. That's pretty good. The more you know. Uh, but yeah, basically they're, yeah, they're drugging her and filming this stuff and they're planning to get ransom money from, from Ben Horn. Emery is like stressed out about it and she's like, we have plenty of people who hate Ben enough to help us out. We're fine. Yeah. And then there's a little bit more plot sort of, oh no, it's in this scene where um she implies that something similar happened to her from Ben, like that Ben Horn did to her because she says in a few days she won't want to come down just like her daddy did to me. Yep. Also kind of colors in the scene of, uh, what's his name? Jerry Horn uh, yelling at her in the pilot, or not pilot, first uh, episode of the season. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, the next scene we get is uh, Sheriff Truman's buying shoes. Yeah. The, what's his real name? Uh, Mr. Gerard, the shoe salesman, salesman is here, who sometimes channels the spirit Mike, who is Bob's nemesis, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. Not as violent as Bob doesn't ever seem to like harm anyone in these episodes from what i know but still kind of a scary presence he gets a little manic when when mike has taken over him so yeah he is a conduit for this this uh spiritual figure mike but in his day-to-day life he's just a normal old shoe salesman and he's selling sheriff some shoes but then he starts coming down with the case of the mikeys yeah we we've Sort of made that clear as we've covered the show. This is the episode that really makes it clear visually. If you weren't convinced uh, in previous episodes, they, there's a conversation about different types of shoes. But then uh, on the table is the picture of the have you seen me? I'm Bob with the long hair. And seeing that sort of uh, trips out Mr. Gerard and uh, the mic starts to slip through. Uh, we will see this is kind of combining a few scenes into one, but he, we see he goes into the He went to the sheriff's department to sell Truman the shoes. So he Mm -hmm. goes into the bathroom at the sheriff's department and he starts having sort of like convulsions. Later, we will see that he was trying to take some sort of medication. uh, I'm guessing some sort of antipsychotic or something. um, But he fails to be able to do it to himself before he gets possessed. And uh, Mike leaves. Mike in Mr. Gerard's body leaves the bathroom with uh, leaving the medication behind. And yeah, Cooper will later find that and realize it's a clue because without chemicals, he points. Yep, that's uh, I truly had no idea what I had no memory of what that meant. I was like, oh, episode three. Oh, yeah. We're done this. with the we're, we've crossed off all. What, how, there's the, how many episodes left? <laughs> what, yeah, what, right? are we, what are we doing here folks? so many so many yeah that's the other thing too is i keep being surprised at how many things have already started moving thinking about that length uh but that's the joy of the rewatch i guess is that different perspective you kind of wrapped up a bunch of scenes in one but basically harry is like all right well this guy's in the bathroom i'm gonna go check on shelly uh because she is in the sheriff's office with cooper already although 
It's not really clear until they cut to a different angle and Cooper's just sitting there, which I think is funny. Yeah, they talk to Shelly about the Leo situation, and she's like, I don't want to talk She doesn't talk, it. as instructed by Bobby, because mm-hmm. of their insurance money plan, and Cooper picks up on it, like, immediately. Instantly. She's like, I don't want to talk. And he's like, oh, I've seen this we before. We know you were Leave. at... Leave. <laughs> it's fine. Basically, it's like, they know that he was shitty, and that she was at the mill, and know he burned it down. So, yeah, Cooper's just like, okay, cool. Well, you clearly still love him, and he'll maybe he'll be nice to you when he wakes up. Goodbye. And she's like, what? Because she's like, why do you buy this? And obviously he doesn't, but mm-hmm. he shoes her out, and he says to Truman, like, yeah, she wants insurance money. I'm not sure who's pulling the strings, but we should find out. Yep. So, yeah, there's that uh, sort of plot check-in for the episode. Where do we go to from there? Oh, yeah, then we go to Mr. Gerard, sort of mikey Mikeyfication. He can't. Uh-huh. And he says, Bob, I know you're near. I'm after you now. Which the sort of bathroom gives it a fun echo, a deepening effect. Makes it feel a little more like the dream sequence where we met Mike. Mm-hmm. We next cut to Horn's department, not Horn's department store, Great the Northern. Great Northern Hotel, a different Benjamin Horn operation. Mm-hmm. One of three, at least. In a Ben town. Horn joint. <laughs> uh, and Ben Horn smoking a big horn. No, he's smoking <laughs> a cigarette, but. Cooper has gone here because, if you recall, last episode, Truman let Cooper know that Audrey's been missing. And, you know, Cooper got the whole, like, phone call from Audrey thing. So he's going to her dad to see if, like, he know- he knows anything. Especially because Cooper was wearing a tuxedo the night that she went missing. And he was wearing it, well, at One-Eyed Jack's. But also when he came back that night to his hotel room when he got shot. So he th- thought he would go and ask her on the hotel room, found Audrey's dad, started asking him questions. But he's like cagey in a way that's like, I don't like this guy. You know, we know that he's, you know, like a glorified pimp and mm-hmm. abuser in many ways. But uh, this scene is still creepy where Cooper's like, I'm literally just trying to help find your daughter. And he's like, yeah, I bet you are. Yeah. I hope you have good intentions. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's basically Yeah, because he, he mentions, was there any difficulties at home? And love a switch flips uh, on, on the, uh, not a huge, I mean, he's never cool, but uh, no. Ben Horn switches a, a somehow new uh, switch. And do I detect a note of something outside the scope of professional concern? Audrey and I have struck up an acquaintance. Acquaintance. Agent Cooper. Let me give you the best advice you're going to get all week. Men fall under the spell of Audrey's charms like ducks in a shooting gallery. And if you don't want a load of buckshot in your tail feathers, may I suggest that you park your jalopy outside of somebody else's window. Mr. Horn, kind of a fucked up thing to say about your own daughter. He says, (laughs) Mr. Horn, if I've overstepped my bounds with my concern, I apologize. I am here with only the best intentions. That is achingly clear. And not unappreciated. I'll put a lamp in the window. You'll be my first call when she comes home to roost. Yeah, and he also, uh, does not seem worried at all. No, but yeah, well, he also yeah. mentioned that she does. Run, she's run away before. It's interesting that Cooper doesn't like Cooper doesn't show his hand at all. That he, or I, maybe he just doesn't assume that she would have gone to One Eye Jacks because that's also what he did uh, in the tuxedo. So, I, yeah, it's just interesting because I, I imagine Ben would immediately be able to figure out if she was there if Cooper mentioned it. But I don't know. Such is the Alas. the mystery. Also, we, we've we mentioned the Jonathan Kuma guy character in the past couple episodes. He's eavesdropping on this as well. That's true. Just still not doing anything else sort of in Just the, sits there reading a the newspaper yeah. and then like, 
moves it so that the audience can see that he was behind it eavesdropping the whole time. And he does that a lot. He does. It's kind of his favorite thing. We cut to a scene that back at One-Eyed Jacks, it introduces a new character who is related to an old character. Mm -hmm. We get the third Renault brother. We saw both Bernard and Jacques get killed in the first season. And Jean Renault is here for revenge, baby. And he, like, I don't know, has this weird scene with Audrey that I don't understand. Uh, And then he talks to... Black Rose and Emery. I know that we've I've done this on a previous episode, but it is very funny to me that Jean Renault and Jacques Renault's father is Jean Jacques Renault, and just like is that true? Yeah, because I just makes me feel bad for Bernard. Like, come on, man. Right. <laughs> Clearly, the youngest brother. They were well. Maybe it's his middle name. Maybe yeah. it's the dad's middle name. And don't even get me started on Jean Michel Renault, who we have to deal with later. Oh, is that a character in the Return? Yeah. And I forgot they put a Renault in there. Yeah, and it's the same actor as Jacques, too, I believe. They just don't really explain it. Just Oh, oh right. I guess it's a cousin in the same way Maddie is. Just like, yeah, I have a cousin now who I remember. Yeah. is identical to me. Don't worry about it. Patty Duke stuff. So, yeah, we get a scene between Jean Renault, uh, his girlfriend slash partner. I don't know. They don't really put labels to it in this yeah. scene. But she is Black Rose's sister. They seem to have beef that we don't really know, but she apparently lives with him in Canada because they talk about, mm-hmm. like, go back north of the border or something, whatever. Yeah. They're all, they are north of the border already. <laughs> that, I guess that's true, huh? Makes you think. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Jean seems to be connected to this drug-running thing that's vaguely connected to One-Eyed Jacks. Is that true, or did I misread this? He says, I'm your go-between. I don't know what he means. What, do you know what this thing means? I think he's talking about doing the blackmail without Emery being found out. Oh, I see. So not the drug-related thing. I don't. Yeah, that's all I got from this scene, is that he's oh, going right. to sort of that's do... That's why, he, yeah, he says, the father pays me, my cut is 30%. The father never knows uh, who snatched his baby. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think, I think he's, like, he's got a beef with Ben Horn because now two of his brothers have died because, uh, like, involved with him. Uh, he also has a mega beef with Cooper because Cooper... He, Cooper's the reason Jacques Renault went across the border and got shot, but he got shot by Andy and killed by, spoilers, uh, I mean, not spoilers, but Leland Palmer. Oh, right. Um, but Cooper right. is, got him off the, through the border, so. He's someone you could possibly blame, yep. so he does. Uh, so yeah, Jean Renault wants to kill Cooper now. Yep. And that's basically the point of the scene. And uh, Black Rose and her sister, whose name, I'm not sure if we get in this scene, uh, have a little fuck you, no fuck you moment. Uh, I don't think we get it. the name. Her name is Nancy, though, I think. Neat. I'm like, is there another Nancy in this show? Because <laughs> it sounds familiar <laughs> now. They talk about talking to Josie eventually, but apparently don't. Whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Cooper, yeah. Uh, Harry gets off the phone with Pete. Josie's apparently coming back into town tomorrow. And Harry's like, can I talk to her alone first? And Cooper's like, Love can't get in the way of the case. And Harry's like, yeah, it can. And Cooper's like, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. That's it. That's the scene. <laughs> um, but then they go into the bathroom and find the uh, prescription that Gerard did not take and Cooper puts together without chemicals. He points. So now they're going to look for the, the one-armed man again. And now we go to the best scene um, in the history of television, uh, Nadine's. Oh, my God. It's scene. definitely setting up a subplot. That it is sure is. Unbelievable. 
Nadine, remember her? Yeah, she hasn't been really around, like, she's been in the, the coma. <laughs> she's married to Big Ed, despite the fact that Big Ed clearly loves Norma. She has an, uh, she has red hair and an eye patch. You're all caught up. Yep. She's been in a coma because... Is it possible to remember why? I don't know. She took sleeping pills. That's right. That's right. Right. It, presumably in an attempt to end her own life, but she... Uh, did not die. Uh, she is alive at the hospital, um, but she is in a coma, and Ed is brought in to kind of just talk to her, and Doc even Doc Hayward suggests even singing to her might calm her down, because the problem is that, like, despite her not being lucid, this is stupid. There's no way this is how anything works. And especially, it gets even weirder as the season yeah, goes I, on. I don't but know anyway, why you're her, criticizing that. That's, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. My, this is Twin Peaks. My disbelief I gotta start suspending it, is I guess the point here. Um, the dreams, that was fine. She has adrenaline coursing through her body, says says Doc Hayward. She, the reason she's chained to the bed is because she broke leather straps uh, in her convulsions she's last too night. Strong. So they have her chained to the bed now. And she, yeah, she's not lucid, but she's definitely kind of uh rocking back and forth in a way that doesn't look comfortable she looks very tense we saw her destroy exercise equipment pre-coma but now she's coming out of coma with like super strength and ed starts to sing to her singing on top of old Smokey. She, she does react to it but she reacts to it by singing a different thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say she starts doing a cheerleading chant. She says, you're a jack and I am a jack and steeple jacks are we. And when we climb up to the top, the cry is victory. B-I-C-T-O-R-Y. <laughs> oh, hi, Eddie. Did you come by to pick me up? He's scared shitless. Uh, he goes, uh-huh. Doc Hayward says tonsillitis or no tonsillitis, I can go to cheerleading tryouts. Cheerleader tryouts? Well, I'm a senior, Eddie. You know what they say. (laughs) You're only 18 once. Did they say that? Maybe they did in the 50s or whenever she was 18. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, so we've hinted at this before, and I might have just actually said it, but Nadine has a subplot in season two where she thinks she's 18 and has super strength. (laughs) It's It's Smallville, but instead of Superman, it's an old woman, (laughs) but she still is going to high school. It's... Something. We must move on uh, to another room in the hospital, which is Dr. Jacoby's. And if you thought the adrenaline stuff was bad, get excited for hypnosis regression. Oh, yeah, I was going to say he has his own uh, problematic age gap going with his <laughs> with his very young wife uh, that is attending to him in his hospital bed. And they have decked out his hospital room in... Tropical Jacoby fashion, Jacoby chic. He asks Cooper to hypnotize him so that he can remember the night that he heard Jacques Renault being strangled and remembered smelling scorched engine oil. Uh, he, he hands Cooper a piece of paper and says, this is the auto suggestion program that I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then tells his wife to start the, the relaxation tape and has Truman hold a geode like at a specific point for him for Jacoby to be gazing at it to have it be his point of um, meditation. Uh, and then Cooper reads the auto suggestion, whatever he calls it, the auto suggestion program. And he says, you are standing on a smooth green carpet of grass. 
The ball is 15 feet from the hole. Beyond the green, two pristine white sand traps and a lily-filled pond yawn out towards the emerald fairway. The hole seems to slowly drift away across the green towards the pond, carried by the summer wind. The green grows larger and larger. Green engulfs you, enveloping you in a soft blanket of peace. And Harry is starting to fall asleep holding the geode. Yeah. <laughs> it's working on him, too. Uh, uh, Harry. Um, and then this starts to get a little too close. It starts to become a J-O-I because he goes, you stroke the ball. <laughs> it drifts towards the hole and gently drops in its center. <laughs> but it works, though. <laughs> yep. And he says, can you hear me, Dr. Jacoby? And he says, yes. You're in your hospital room. In the room is Jacques Renault. Do you smell anything? Burned engine oil? Your Honor, leading the witness. Uh, he says, I smell yeah. engine oil at the park. Air is filled with it. All right, we're going back to your room at the hospital now. Does anyone come into the room? Nurses, Doc Hayward, you, Sheriff Truman. What happens after we leave? I dream I'm at Hanauma Bay. I'm juggling coconuts at a luau. Good for you, dude. <laughs> The guests are all Nigerians. Cooper says, all right. Does anyone else come into the room later that night? The sound of tape ripping wakes me up. I see a pillow going over his face. He's making the sound. Grr, grr. Yeah. Almost like a dog barking. Jacques stops moving. I look up to see who's holding the pillow. Who is it? Do you know who it is? I know him. I knew him, Horatio! <laughs> yeah. Uh, a man of infinite suffocation. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Sinan's there, but we'll we'll see if he 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 does he does know. But yeah, we check back in on uh... Donna goes to Laura's grave, and it's a very sad scene. She takes the orchid. She's like kind of standing like off to the side of the grave at first. She like later in this monologue, we had the courage to like look at her grave directly but at first she's like kind of has to talk to the side of it like she's not really ready to have this conversation with yeah. laura and she it, says it also makes just an interesting frame because you get to see her and Absolutely. laura's name on the on the gravestone but yeah this is from harold smith sorry i haven't been out to see you since the funeral things have been pretty strange so you're sleeping with that guy harold or what seems pretty nice kind of an oddball although i guess anyone can start to seem like that when you look close enough that's when she stood up and she's got her hands in her jacket, her leather jacket pockets. And she says, we need to talk. Maybe you already know about me and James. But anyway, after you died, we kind of got together. This isn't something I feel like I have to explain to you. Because you probably knew about how we felt before we did. How can you be so smart about things like that and so stupid about so much else? I'm mad at you. Uh, the way she delivers the line really works though better than what i just did when it was you and me and james it kind of worked now you're gone i love james and it's a mess your cousin maddie's here and i think there's something going on between the two of them i'm afraid i'm gonna end up losing both of you i wanted to be so much like you laura have your strength and your courage but look what it did look what it did to you as much as i love you laura most of the time we were trying to solve your problems and you know what we still are not mine, or James's, or Maddie's. Yours. You're dead, Laura, but your problems keep hanging around. It's almost like they didn't bury you deep enough. Love that scene. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the teens and their problems, James goes to see Maddie at, I mean, not 
her house, the Palmer house. Yeah, the Palmer house. Um, looking for Donna, and she he starts to say that he's he is sad because his mom came home and she's drunk and messed up currently. If you remember his, I don't know, he whined about it in a gazebo in the last season. Yeah, well, yeah, there was kind of, he like lied about it at first Mm -hmm. about like never knowing his mom. And then he's like, actually, I do know my mom and I'm, she's such an embarrassment to me that I'd rather not, essentially. Yep. But now she's back. And he said, yeah, she's back. She's really drunk. I fucking hate her. Um, And he's looking for Donna to get some sort of comfort. But he finds Maddie. that She's there. She hugs him. Because he needs it from somebody. Mm-hmm. And then he kisses her. But darn it all, he kisses her, and Donna walks into the room and sees the whole shebang. She runs out, and he runs, and like he sort of chases her after like knocking a bunch of shit off a table. Yeah. Uh, but then he runs out Leland and sees him do it, and he's like, <laughs> He doesn't say anything, but he's like, Whoa. My, my lamb! <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very funny physicality all around. Uh, also, the way he, he goes outside and screams, like, why? Yeah, Donna's driving away, and he goes, Donna, why? <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and then Maddie is also like, all I did was come to a funeral, and it's like I fell into a dream. It's like people think I'm Laura, and I'm not. It's, I'm nothing like Laura. And it's sort of, as the camera f- moves around and she moves around, it reveals that Leland is still in the room and she's talking to him. Yeah, and he's, he, like, kind of holds on to her in, like, a paternal way, even though he's an uncle, and he says, it's so hard, I know. I know, sweetheart, I know. All I know is that Laura was my cousin, and I loved her, She's and she my died. cousin, but cousin. doesn't she look exactly like Laura Palmer? And I loved her, and she died. <laughs> I don't know anything else. You just want life to be, like, the way it was before. Yeah. So do I. We all do. Try as we might, it just won't cooperate, will it? No. Oh, baby. If only life could be like those summers up at Pearl Lakes. That's when uh, Cooper and Sheriff are here, and and Sheriff says, Leland, the door was open. And he's looking up, and they're like, Leland? And he says, what is it? Leland, you're under arrest for the murder of Jacques Renault. And that's where that scene ends. And uh, yeah, Donna. We... we did know that beforehand, right? We did see in season one that it was him. Yep. Okay. We see that he did it. Is, and then because he pulled the fire alarm, killed him, and then right. woke up the next day with white hair uh, in season two. But yeah, we cut from that to Donna going to Harold Smith for comfort. Because who fucking else, we gotta I guess? Qu- we, gotta, we gotta love quadrangle now. Or a... Or a love pentagon, if you count the dead one. Yeah. This is another moment where it's, like, kind of creepy because he seems to know so much, but it's, like, kind of comforting to her in this moment that he knows so much about her and her friendship with Laura. He says, Donna, what's wrong? She says, I don't even know if I want to talk about it. I feel so stupid. Slow down. Sit down. I keep telling myself that he's confused, but how much longer am I supposed to think that? James Hurley? Yeah. Just when I thought I had it all figured out. Why do I even care? Why should I? Well, you care because you care for him thanks harold (laughs) you care because you care for him you're supposed to have insight into this because you stole the fucking diary spoilers for two minutes later uh don't you i wish i didn't i just want it to stop first you have to stop hey what was it she used to say donna madonna there's always manana how did you know that i'll get you something to drink okay okay 
Uh, he goes off to do that. She, like, sort of stands up and wanders the room and sees a book out on the table. And she, it's like a, it's a diary. She, because there's nothing on the front. She looks at the first page and it says, The Diary of Laura Palmer. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We already thought we had one. What but if there was a secret one? one? And Harold's got the secret diary. Harold, and that's the cliffhanger. And Joe, where are you on the internet? Is he Harold like Harold Bluetooth? Or no? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> He's got too much of a green thumb to be a blue tooth. Ah, ha, ha. The two gender. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. I'm also on another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece, where we're uh, going through the whole cake arc right now. I'm, I'm re-watching it. Jory's watching it for the first time. We got Power Rangers. We got Family Trauma. What else do you need? They got Power Rangers in One Piece now? Yeah, they do. You're telling me a shrimp fried this rice? <laughs> Yeah, that that's also actually a subplot of Whole Cake. Um, is, you tell me <laughs> about shrimp frying rice. Yeah. The shrimp is Sanji. <laughs> what else? I guess I mean we were just making jokes about Interstitial. If you haven't been listening to season three, uh, you should be because it fucking owns bones. Uh, it's great. Coming up on what I think episode seven this week in the public feed, and all sixteen have been at Patreon for a while now. If you wanna. Go listen to all of that. You can give us a dollar a month. You also get these episodes early as we do. Oh, man, we got to get back to monthly bonus episodes this month. And I have done none of the prep that I need to do. So I'll get to that. But anyways, I think that's all the stuff that I need to, to plug. I'll say the Patreon in a minute. Wheels, where are you on the internet? Twitter.com slash singular wheels and a podcast called Very Random Encounters. It was where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and we randomly determine as much as is possible as you're listening to this we will have just concluded the Big Bang Superstars mini-season of Cosmic Wizard Voguing, and we will be transitioning into the I'm sure you're all wondering why I've gathered you all here this evening mini-season, a game created by Logan of Very Random Encounters. And that's, uh, it's that quest in Oblivion where you go to a mansion and you have to kill everyone, but everyone has to kill everyone, and that's kind of the premise. If, you, if you're the last one alive, you inherit the house, but you also, if your character gets killed you can be a ghost and haunt other people it's great it is wonderful we make up this whole you know we improvise this whole web of drama and soap opera gossip so it honestly is kind of maybe a little bit resonant with uh with uh twin peaks so yeah that'll be the next few weeks of very random encounters then after that we are doing things from the flood a sci-fi 90s uh well i don't really know what it's gonna be because we've only done one episode of it but it's gonna be a Weird sci-fi 90s Stranger Things adjacent kind of adventure. That's exciting. Uh, I already did a bunch of stuff talking about our Patreon, but it's patreon.com slash memorizedcast. You can get all this stuff early in the interstitial and the bonus episodes, yada yada. Uh, thank you, everybody, who does mean a ton. Uh, it's been very exciting to see the numbies go up post-interstitial, especially. I'm glad that everyone's liking interstitial. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's... I mean, we don't really plug much else. We got a Discord. Uh, you can find a link to in the show notes or a pinned tweet. Our Twitter is also MemorizedCast. We're now, Lord knows what we're retweeting because we've covered so many things. Uh, Interstitial making it even more complicated. The theme music comes to us in its pure mm-hmm. platonic form, and there's nothing else to it. Yeah. It's the full platonic ideal, and we don't know who made it, but we put a link there. There's a link in the description where you can find where I found it. 
good luck on any other information. If you can find who made it, we will credit them. That's true. I mean, there's a the name is just like Eurobeat, which is I don't think it's that's a, yeah. real. But it, regardless, yeah. uh, you you can find where I found it up there. Uh, so thank you, sort of. Uh, you did the intro wheels. That means it's my turn to say uh, that was episode ten. Not to be confused with part ten. Episode 3 of Season 2, the 11th episode overall, The Man Behind Glass. Yeah, I didn't memorize it. <laughs>